Colossians 1 and 27. It's our, one of our keystone verses for this study. It says, To them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. I said that one word I want you to associate with the word hope is the word expectation. Hope, Bible hope, is more than expectation, but this will help us renew our minds to what hope really is. And hope is expectation. So when he says, Christ in you, the hope of glory, Christ in you, the expectation of glory. The Amplified has it, to whom God was pleased to make known how great for the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ within you and among you, the hope of realizing the glory. Or again, if we insert expectation, the expectation of realizing the glory. Now, realize fits hand in glove with what we've been talking about, and that is you know, something becoming a reality. We've been talking about the inward realities of the new birth becoming outward expressions of life. Inward realities of the new birth becoming outward expressions of life. And there are things that are true about you, and the Bible's full of these things, by the way, things that are true about you because you've been born again, but those things are contained within your born-again spirit. And Jesus said they would be like fountains, plural, rivers, plural, springing up and overflowing you. And, of course, the Holy Spirit being a key factor in that, the Holy Spirit springing up within us. But Jesus used, again, plural, reverse, multiple new birth realities flowing from deep inside of us outward. Philemon, and um, I don't know if anybody else caught it, but uh, shout out to Sister Elizabeth. I knew it didn't sound right when I said it last Wednesday night. I said Philippians, but it's Philemon one chapter in Philemon, verse 6, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So acknowledging every good thing which is in you because you are in Christ Jesus. And then just reviewing quickly, we said last week, acknowledge, believe, and confess. This is how a, a man or woman is born again. But what we see is the more you acknowledge, the more you believe, and the more you confess the good things that are in you in Christ Jesus, the stronger your foundation becomes for expectation. The stronger your foundation becomes for expectation. And we said that acknowledgement and expectation have something in common. They're both a function of the mind. We expect with the mind, we acknowledge with the mind, And remember, your born-again spirit where all those good things reside currently in you right now is encapsulated with your mind and then your body. So it's spirit, soul, body. And if those inward realities in your born-again spirit are ever going to be experienced, enjoyed, and expressed in your outward life reality, they're going to have to pass through the mind. Now, Here's another very important point we made towards the end of last week. Expectation places a demand on the new birth realities in your born-again spirit. Expectation places a demand. And this is one of the things that we see. And I shared a little bit, I think, a few weeks back. 
you know, as parents, one of our responsibilities is to set expectations for our children. Because, again, expectation places a demand on potential. And in this case, godly, holy expectation places a demand on the new birth realities that are already in our born-again spirits. Now, I'm not trying to be negative with these two questions, but these are questions I believe the Holy Spirit prompted uh, me with. And the first one is, you know, how many new birth realities has the average saved person acknowledged? You know, I mean... (laughs) Some of this terminology may be new to people, but again, when it gets right down to it, you know, the, the average saved person, how many new birth realities, good things that are in them, have they acknowledged? And then uh, a question that coincides with that, what does the average person expect from their salvation experience? What does the average person expect from their salvation experience? It's going to go something like this. They expect to be forgiven for their sins, which is only half correct because he didn't just come to forgive us, he came to take them away. Okay. And they're going to expect to not go to hell and go to heaven one day when they, when they die. That's the expectation, the hope. Um, and sadly, for a large portion of, of God's children and people in the earth, that's, that's pretty much the extent of what they expect from their salvation experience. How many of you know we can expect a lot more than that? We can expect joy unspeakable and full of glory. We can expect power and authority over darkness. We, I mean, it's just, again, the list goes on and on and on. But just to kind of tie some of this together, see, how can you expect what you refuse to acknowledge? You know, we have to acknowledge these things. And so, again, acknowledge, believe, confess, acknowledge, believe, confess. And all of, all of you know, that faith and, and that faith confession is building within us an expectation, a foundation, rather, for our expectation to rest upon now. Right expectations will open the valve of your soul. Wrong or no expectation will leave the valve closed. So we've taught these things. We've even had some, you know, drawings and things, slides. I don't have those with me tonight. But... If you think of your soul, the part of you that thinks, the part of you that feels, the part of you that makes choices, if you think of of that part of you as a valve that'll either allow what's in your born-again spirit to pass through into your life reality or shut it down. And so expectation places a demand on those new birth realities, allowing them to pass through. Now, I made this statement at the end of the message last Wednesday for a few reasons. One, because I would have felt like I did not do what I was supposed to have done last week had I not made it. Um, Also, it's something that's just burning in me. But sometimes, (laughs) you know, paralysis through analysis, you know, just, you know, gust of faith, and I just needed to put it out there. Amen. Um, And I didn't mean to leave you hanging, but I wanted you, I asked you to think about it. And, and that was kind of one of the uh, other reasons why. Uh, but here, here is the statement. And, and, you know, the Bible says that, you know, let one or two prophesy and the others judge. And that doesn't mean judge the person, but, you know, 
what someone says the Lord said to them, you need to look at it in Scripture. It needs to line up with Scripture. It needs to bear witness with your, your spirit, the Holy Spirit. And, and, um, but when the Lord spoke this to me, it was so clear. I, I knew it was Him, but I even said to Him, are you sure? You know, I mean, it, it just kind of, um, I don't know, I didn't see this statement coming. And um, one of the things that we brought out in class, and I'll bring it out again in here, is in order to grow, we've got to be willing to let the Holy Spirit and the Word of God challenge things that we have thought and believed in the past that may be incorrect or may just be traditional religious thinking that's not biblical or scriptural. Or it may be, and I think this is the case you know, with, with a lot of people, is a good bit of what we believe is, is accurate and lines up with the Word of God, but then there are you know, different parts and pieces that still need to be tweaked or stronger word need to be challenged and aren't you glad father loves us enough to challenge our thinking when maybe our thinking needs to be challenged okay so here's what he spoke to me he said every mountain you have ever spoken to by faith moved the moment you spoke every mountain you've ever spoken to by faith moved the moment you spoke and so you know, my question after I kind of settled in my heart that that was definitely him speaking to me, I, I said, well, so I asked the question. I said, so why did I not see them move? And he said that I stopped expecting them to. That I stopped expecting them to. Now, one of the things that I think we need to know and understand better and more, but also that we need to develop and practice more is hope. Or, again, when you hear hope, I want you to think expectation. Um, let's, let's look at this from Mark 11. And if you are familiar with that particular passage, you know that Jesus went to a fig tree um, hoping that it had figs on it. It wasn't the season for figs, but it was given the appearance that it had fruit on it. But when he got there, it did not. And Jesus spoke to that tree. He said, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And then just walked on. Well, he went and took care of some business in the city. And they spent the night. The next morning, they're exiting the city the same way they went in. And when they passed the fig tree, Peter, I think, noticed it first. He says, Master, look, the tree that you spoke to last evening, it has dried up from the root. It's withered from the root. And Jesus, using that as a dramatic object lesson, he taught them and taught you and me a very important lesson about operating and utilizing faith. He said, have faith in God. For if you say, in Matthew's gospel, kind of blending the two together, he says, if, if you say to that mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and do not doubt in your heart, but believe those things which you say will come to pass, you will have whatever you say. So it wasn't Jesus showing off. It wasn't Jesus trying to impress them with what he had the ability to do. It, it was more of Jesus trying to show all of us what we had the ability to do, what our faith would produce, how our 
faith would um, move mountains, so to speak. So the tree withering in Jesus's um, uh, lesson was no different than a mountain moving if it was um, spoken to. So Jesus spoke to the fig tree by faith. Was Jesus surprised the fig tree withered from the root? Of course not. Why was he not surprised? It's because he expected. Are you seeing this? Jesus expected that tree to wither up and die. Why did he expect it? Expect, remember hope, expects the same thing. Why did, now see, this is, this is where expect, I think, helps us. You know, if we were just to say Jesus was hoping that tree would wither and die, it leaves a lot of people with the idea that, man, I'm ho- I hope this works. You know, it's almost like let's, let's cross our fingers, you know. Oh, man, hopefully this works. Or, you know, if it doesn't work, I guess we'll just walk on by like nothing ever happened. No, see, so that's why hope is, it's not that there's anything wrong with the word hope. What's wrong is what people think of when they hear hope. That's why we've got to renew our minds. See, Jesus was not surprised. The disciples were surprised. Peter was surprised. We might even say they were on the verge of shocked. You know, but Jesus was not because he expected. Why did he expect? His expectation was based upon the faith that he released the evening before. Are you seeing this? Okay. Now, Mark eleven twenty four. Let's put this on the screen. Therefore I say to you, Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. This is Jesus basically, you know, giving us a, a summation of, of this, you know, lesson that took, you know, I don't know, eight, ten hours to, to deliver, given the in-between time, the overnight time, um, the marinating time, you know, uh, if, if you're talking about cooking something, okay? Now, I love other translations of this verse because it emphasizes, I think, what needs to be emphasized. God's Word translation, we'll just look at one. That's why I tell you to have faith. Um, that's why I tell you to have faith that you have already received whatever you pray for, and it will be yours. So when he says, um, whatever things you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive them, the idea is that you believe that you already have them before you actually hold them in your hand. Okay, that you have it before you hold it, okay, before you actually take possession of it. Now, let's, let's work our way through um, three levels here, okay? First of all, grace gives based on what is already done. When we talk about the things that God has given to us, the, the you know, grace meaning unearned, unmerited, undeserved favor, okay? Um, grace gives that based upon a price that's already been paid. When we talk about our salvation, it's a free gift, but it is not without cost. Are you, under, are you So when I say grace gives based on what is already done, there's a, there's a basis for the free gift that we've been given, and that basis is the completed work of Jesus. What Jesus bore for us, what Jesus paid for for us, what He, with His own blood, with stripes on His back, thorns in His brow, spear in His side, 
a sinless life, which was no small feat on this earth as a human being. All of these things that, that were you know, so precious and, and, and so priceless uh, you know, that Jesus bought and paid for uh, to, to provide for you and me freely. So grace gives based on what is already done. Not what has to be done, but what has already done. So remember that, okay? Then we see that faith receives what grace has already given. Faith receives what grace has already given, and grace gives based on what's already been done. We're going to use that already a lot, okay? Now, the third point in this hope expects what faith has already received are you are you is this helping you it's helping me amen so what's been given to us is based upon what's already been done and what we receive is based on what's already been given and what we expect, based upon what we has been given and, and received by faith, it expects what faith has already received. Now let me try to make this a little simpler for you, okay? Love gives, faith receives, hope expects. Why God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son? And now all of these new birth realities that are, that are uh, as a result, that, that, that are now available, and if you're born again, in you, are in you because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. If He had not given this most precious and priceless of all gifts, then we would, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, we, we wouldn't have any of this in us. Love gives, faith receives, and hope expects. Now, Faith receives what love has freely given. How does it do it? It does it by believing it is true when it still looks, seems, and feels like it's not. I'm trying to show you how, how this works. Okay, so how does faith receive what, what grace is already given? Faith says, you know what? This is mine. This has been given to me by God at great price and great cost to himself. And I believe it's true, and I believe it's mine, and I believe I've already received it, even when it doesn't look, seem, or feel like I have. You see how faith works in this. So, what if the problem then, and we've been asking some variation of this question now for months, what if the problem is not with our faith, but with our expectations after we have prayed and believed? Now, we've got to think on some different levels here. Praise God. Um, <clears throat> when we say that every mountain we've ever spoken to by faith moved the moment we spoke, well, when we say that that's true, well, where did it move? It moved in the place where faith operates, and that is in the unseen realm. But if what we don't see is ever going to come into the sense realm, the, the visible realm, okay, then we have to continue to expect based upon 
that belief. Or we have to continue to hold fast our confession of faith, uh, confession of hope, confession, yeah, I say it so many times, our confession of hope, Hebrews 10, 23, without wavering. The expectation part of this. Amen. Stay with me now. We're, we're going to build on this a little bit, all right? So um, there are important and powerful relationships between faith and hope. Along with love, these three form a dynamic system and the foundation for the life we were created to live. Remember, faith, hope, and love, not fear, regret, and selfishness. Not fear, regret, and selfishness. Okay? All right, now let's go to Hebrews 11 and 1. Amen. Hebrews 11 and 1. Can you hang in here with me for a few more minutes? Hebrews 11 and 1. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. There's a lot about this that I have said and heard said for years that's accurate. And there's some of this that needs some adjusting. Okay, and the Holy Spirit's going to help us adjust the parts that need to be adjusted. For instance, now faith is. A lot of times, and I've done this, you know, we, we kind of pull this out and we talk about, you know, faith is present tense, faith is now, hope is for the future, faith is for right now. You have to believe now and then hope carries you into the future as you continue to expect whatever it is that you believe right now. That's true but it's, it's, it's not entirely true. In other words, if from that we come up with this concept that, that faith only has present tense operation or benefit, then we would be wrong because I believed many, many years ago on Jesus and entered into covenant with Him that He bought and paid for in His own blood and became a new creation in that moment, amen, by faith. And that, that experience continues to operate and, and produce results in my life to this day. Are you seeing this? There's, a, there's another aspect of this, and it, and it just keeps jumping up in me, and I'm really not prepared to develop this to its fullest, and sometimes I get myself in trouble by, by, by doing this. But this idea that if you believe something, it, let me say it another way, this idea that if you believe you receive something and then later doubt it that you no longer have received it the holy spirit's challenging that in me as well and and so watch this now watch this because anything that we would believe god for to experience in our life reality is going to come under the umbrella of salvation and be some subset of that be it prosperity be it healing be it deliverance be it um breakthrough whatever all of those things are covered by the umbrella of salvation that we receive from God by faith. Can I watch this? Well, just stay with me for a minute, okay? Have you ever questioned your salvation? I have. I used to when I was a kid every Monday. Right? Have you ever doubted your salvation? I'm, I thank God it, it, it's been a long time because I've grown and I've developed and matured. But there were times in my life that I questioned whether or not I was saved. Was I still saved when I questioned whether or not I was? I absolutely was. Now watch this. See, doubting my salvation 
will not make me unborn again. But let me tell you what it will do. It will prevent me from enjoying, experiencing, and expressing the realities of my salvation. It doesn't change what faith in Jesus produced in me when I was, I don't know, seven years old. But it does affect my life experience. Let me say it another way. Someone can live their whole life without ever acknowledging a single good thing that's in them because they're in Christ Jesus. It doesn't mean that those things aren't in them. They can refuse to acknowledge it. They can hear, hear somebody like me tell them about it and say it's not true and not believe it. It doesn't, it doesn't say, oh, well, you don't believe you're righteous? Well, you're not righteous anymore. No, see, they became righteous through a new birth experience that they received by faith. This is why every mountain you've ever spoken to by faith moved the moment you spoke to it. And the only reason you didn't see it move is because you quit expecting it to. You're going to get to heaven one day and see those mountains were gone all this time. All right. So faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, things not visible. Just because it's not visible doesn't mean it's not real. Just because the new birth realities inside of you can't be seen under a microscope or on an x-ray or an MRI machine, it doesn't mean that they're not real. It doesn't mean that they're not there. What evidence, what, what proof do we have that those things are in us? Faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. The Word of God tells us that those things are there. The Word of God. Remember, you, I don't need a mirror to see my hand. I need a mirror to see the parts of me that I can't see without it. And so the mirror of God's Word is, is I look into this mirror and, and I see these things that are true about me in my born-again spirit, these new birth realities. The other thing about now faith is, and I'm, listen, I'm not trying to just throw all of that out, but, but when, he, when he comes to this now faith is, if you look at the bigger picture of the book of Hebrews, he's basically spent 10 chapters, the Holy Spirit through the writer of Hebrews, he spent 10 chapters explaining the ins and outs of covenant and, and, and salvation and eternal redemption and, and you know, what Jesus' sacrifice means to us compared to what the Old Testament sacrifices meant to them and how those are shadows pointing to this. He talks about the tabernacles. He talks about angels. He talks about um, you know, the, the priesthood and how Jesus is the fulfillment of all of it. And, and, and it's a masterful work by the Holy Spirit through the writer of Hebrews. But then he, he brings us, and remember now, there's, oh, praise God. Remember this about Hebrews. Hebrews is the only epistle that is an open letter. All the other, Corinthians to the church at Corinth, Thessalonians to the church at Thessalonica, Ephesians to the church at Ephesus, Hebrews, open letter to the Hebrew people. To, 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 to Jewish men and women who have been born again and to Jewish men and women who have not yet been. You'll never understand Hebrews until you understand that. And so the, what it, the, the writer of Hebrews is going after uh, Jewish men and women who experienced the earthly ministry of Jesus but have not yet gone all in with Him to receive the gift of salvation. 
And so he's, he's systematically explaining to them the difference between Jesus and angels, the difference between the priesthood of Jesus and, and, and the uh, Old Testament priesthood. Some of them had a big hang-up with Jesus. The Messiah is supposed to be the priest. Jesus was from Judah. He's not from the tribe of Levi. Therefore, he cannot be the high priest because he had to be a descendant of Levi and the Levitical priesthood. And again, the writer of Hebrews through, through the Holy Spirit explains he's not a Levitical priest. He's a priest according to the order of Melchizedek, the without... Without beginning, without end, right? This, 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 Jesus, all of this, right, is going into this. And so then he comes to chapter 11. He says, now faith. You see this. He said, now let's get to this subject of faith and what it is and why it's important and why you've got to have it in this Jesus if you're going to experience the, the new birth and, and, and all that he has done for you and all that he's made available to you. So we got, we've got to, under, we got to understand this. And, and even there's several verses in chapter 10 that tie directly in to chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For, for example, how about 10 and 14? By one offering of himself, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. In other words, the writer of Hebrews, by the Holy Spirit, dares to say that if a man or a woman believes on Jesus, they have been perfected forever. And of course, one of the themes that we see in the book of Hebrews is that all of those practices from the Old Testament could not make anything perfect. But the blood of Jesus not only can, it has. You still with me? Am I boring you? You get, oh, praise God, there's a lot here. There's a lot here. So when he says, now faith... It's, the tone of this is like, okay, now we come to the subject of faith. And, and notice that he's using all of these uh, examples of faith from Jewish history to help them understand what faith really is and how faith really works. And if you can understand how faith worked with Moses, then you can understand how faith works in this New Testament system. So he says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. Substance means the underlying basis or support. Faith is the foundation our hope or the foundation our expectations are built upon. Reasonable expectations. See, there are people who have all kinds of... And this, let me say it another way. And that's what I was trying to show you by grace is based upon something that's already been done. And, 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 and so we're given these things, but it's not just because, well, the Bible says so. I mean, the Bible does say so, but what's the teeth behind this? What's the oomph behind it? What's, you know, how will this stand up in, you know, in an eternal court, so to speak? Well, it stand up because Jesus bought and paid for it and said it was yours. And, and that's why we have what we have. That's why we've been given what we've been given. That's why I'm just as right before Father God tonight as Jesus. Not because I've earned it or deserved it. Not because of something I've done, but because of something that's been done for me. Do you see this, right? Now, as we begin to understand and acknowledge every good thing that's in me, but also acknowledge why it's in me. That there's, this is not just wishful thinking. This is not just, boy, it'd be nice, you know, if I could just have my sins forgiven and never held against me or remembered again. It's more than just nice. It's something Jesus paid for with his life's blood. 
So the expectations that I have are based upon something. And that is the faith. Are you seeing this? I, I believe what's been done for me. And I believe what's been given to me because of what's been done for me. Because of the love. Believe the love. That's what the Holy Spirit said through John. Because of the love that he has for me, no other hidden motive, no other hidden agenda. For God so loved the world. He did it because he loves us. He did it because he would, he would rather die for you than live without you. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? See, again, we, th- these are things that we need to recognize and acknowledge. How sad is it that, that, that so many, what we're talking about, just the, the generally speaking average saved person, Right? This is, this is the extent of their acknowledgement, okay? I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That's the closest they come to acknowledging any good thing that's in themselves. And notice now, saved by grace, but we've got to cancel it out. So, I mean, what kind of expectations do you have as just an old sinner saved by grace? Come on now, we've looked at these verses in the Bible. <laughs> Paul said, you're acting like, you're acting like mere men. You're not a mere man. Our expectations should be that of, some, of a born-again man, born-again woman, not a mere man or a mere woman. So when it says faith is the substance of things expected or things hoped for, substance means the underlying basis or support. We have hope because we have believed. We have believed that we've already received. We have believed that we've already become. We, we, we have believed that we've already been given. We have believed that we already are. And because I believe I have already been made righteous, my expectation is that it will be reflected in my behavior and that I will live as a righteous and holy man. My expectations are not based upon my ability to do these things but instead on his ability not what i do for him but what he has done for me now one last thing i got a lot of last things but let's one last thing here the word faith in this verse appears without a grammatical article okay so we're talking about grammar now and when faith is without an article It's denoting faith in a general or an abstract sense. So the Holy Spirit, through the writer, is giving us, first them and now us, a wide and universal view of faith. That's why we have the examples that are given later in the chapter. This is what a theologian and Greek scholar named Vincent says about it. He says, faith apprehends as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. It rests on that fact, acts upon it, and is upheld by it in the face of all that seems to contradict it. Faith is real seeing. Faith is real seeing. Man, stand with me tonight. Praise God.
He goes on to say in verse 27 that Moses endured and accomplished all that he endured and all that he accomplished in bringing God's people out of slavery in Egypt as if he was seeing him who is invisible. As if he was seeing him who is invisible. Mark eleven twenty says, Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Here's the difference between Jesus and the disciples. Jesus saw it dried up from the roots the day before. He saw it dried up from the roots when it still looked as healthy as any fig tree in that city. He saw it, and based upon what he saw, despite no evidence in the natural, physical realm, he expected. Therefore, the next morning, he was not surprised by the results when everybody else was. Are you, see, are you seeing me? You see how this works? Father, help us get our hopes up, Lord. Things that we have spoken, things that we have released by faith, things that we have seen and acknowledged and confessed by faith. Lord, those, those things have already changed in the unseen realm. Help us hold fast our confession of hope to the end without wavering. That we would not cast away our bold and confident speech and confession because it has great compensation of reward where our lives are concerned. Father, help us understand how acknowledging and expecting places a demand on these inward realities of the new birth and how our words are like buckets dropped into the well of our spirit drawing those things up and out from us. Lord, thank you for the examples that you have provided for us in Scripture and now the Holy Spirit to come alongside and teach us these things. Father, I declare by faith in Jesus' name that we are moving up, Lord, <laughs> into a greater realm of expectation and manifestation in our lives, in our families, and in our family of faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus. Thank you for being here this evening. You have a great rest of your week, and I'll see you on Sunday, if not before. Praise God.